This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. Thank you very much, Pastor. What you did this morning, it's very unusual. Very seldom the new pastor will affirm the legacy of the previous pastor. Only a strong man of God in faith, only a secure man of God of his calling and gifted could do what you did this morning. May God bless you and honor you. I will add to what you said about Brother Bill one testimony. About 20 years ago, Brother Bill came to teach in our seminary. And after he met the students, he felt it would be much better to take the whole class out in the mountain for a retreat. He was there for about three days with the students, teaching, preaching, mentoring. And the first night, after they all went to bed, at midnight, all the students went to his bedroom and knocked at the door. Woke him up. And when Brother Bill opened the door, the students said, Brother Bill, we cannot go to sleep. We must get right with God. There are things in our life that are not right. And what you taught us today, stir our hearts. And we came and asked you to spend time with us. And help us to get right with God. Brother Bill invited all of them in his bedroom. They crowded that place, sat on the floor. And they dealt with things that had to be dealt with. It went almost all night. Now all those students are today full time. Pastors, missionaries and evangelists. And when we saw the great impact. A man of God could have in the life of our students. We felt led to start the Bill Ricketts School of Pastoral Ministries. So thank you, church. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you, Pastor Josh, for continuing this great legacy. Now, this morning, I'm here to thank you so much for what you have done, for what you are, you are doing. Also to acknowledge that from this church, we got support from Congressman Andrew Clyde and Congressman Jody Heiss as we are fighting a new education bill in the land of Romania that is heavily influenced by progressive ideology. They signed a letter to the Romanian president, prime minister, and the secretary of state for education, asking them to respect, honor, and provide freedom for the Christian schools of the country. So I pray that God will continue to bless this church, bless the leadership of the church, and bless your country. As we look at what's happening in our days around the world, we must be reminded that in the life of every Christian, young or old, boy or girls, men and women, in the life of every Christian family, in the life of every Christian church, and every Christian generation, there are two major battles that we cannot avoid. There are two major battles that we cannot avoid. The first one is the spiritual battle. There is a spiritual enemy 
And the Apostle Paul said that we are not waging war against flesh and blood, but against the dominion, principalities, and the spirit of darkness that are attacking us. Therefore, the Apostle said, take the whole armor of God. Now, friends, you cannot avoid this confrontation. The second confrontation is the cultural confrontation. We all live in a culture. And broadly speaking, the culture is a mixture of various worldviews, various religion, philosophies, way of life, traditions, and all kinds of other things that fill our lives. Literature, movies, music, whatever. By and large, culture are influenced by anti-Christian values. And those values and worldviews are attacking the minds of our children and our families and our churches. And we cannot stay neutral. You cannot avoid this confrontation with culture. Between the two, there is a very interesting relationship. Whosoever wins the spiritual battle will transform the culture. Whosoever wins the spiritual battle will transform the culture. We can see that in the life of the early church. When the church in Jerusalem won the spiritual battle, and they won it on their knees and based on the word of God. They transformed the world. The leaders of the day said, these people have filled Jerusalem with their teaching. We cannot keep them out. They do not know how to protect from the advancements of the church. They were changing the world because the gospel changed people. And later on, the Romans said, these people are bringing us some teaching and some practices that we, the Romans, should not hear or observe. The Roman world didn't know how to keep the church out. They put them in jail and Paul said, greet the saints in the house of Caesar. Isn't that great? The church won the spiritual battle and changed the world. We can see that in the history of revivals. Whenever revivals take place, the world is being changed because... The church wins the spiritual battle. You had the great revivals in this country. And according to some historians, when people were changed during the revival time, the transformation of their life was so dramatic that some of them lost 85% of their vocabulary in one second. Can you imagine that? What a transformation. 85% of those words had to go out. Because they won the spiritual battle. But... Whenever the Christians are losing the spiritual battle, when they are defeated, the world is taking us up. The world is invading our lives, our families, our churches, and our countries. So therefore, it's very important to understand that we cannot change the culture unless we win the spiritual war. So to learn that, please open your Bibles at the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus chapter 17. That's a great illustration in this scripture. Exodus 17 and verses 8 to 16. But I will just focus on verse 11 and follow. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, 
they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. You know the story. The children of Israel came out from Egypt on the way to the promised land. And when they reached the Rephidim, they were attacked by Amalekites, a hostile group of people. And when we read that, they had no reason to attack the Israelites. But what we learn is that in our life, there is no neutral place. Please remember that. There is no neutrality in the spiritual pilgrimage. You cannot reach a place when the evil one will not attack you. And when you are attacked, we ask ourselves, how can we overcome? How can we become victorious? So here the scripture is teaching us how Moses organized that confrontation. Moses did something amazing. He said, Joshua, take up some men, go into the valley and fight with the Amalekites. I will go on the top of the mountain with the staff of God in my hands and I will lift my hands up. Now that's strange. Because the only one who understood some military strategy there was Moses. He was trained in Egypt and he knew the military culture, the military strategy. All the others were slaves. So to say, Joshua, go and fight and I will go and I will lift my hands. Say, wait a minute. Why don't you go? Because you are the general. What will you say the chief of joint, uh, the joint chief of staff of your army will go on the Pentagon and say with his hands up? I said, well, we are in the time of war. Say, man, go on the field. But Moses understood something. There are two sides of the battle. One side is spiritual. The other side is cultural. And the one who will win the spiritual will win the cultural. So what Moses did, he went on the mountain with the rod of God, with the staff of God. He held up his hands, claiming the power of God. Because we have access to the greatest power in the universe. The one who is in control of everything. The one who has all power. And that is our heavenly father. Amen. Amen. So Moses went. And when he lifted up his hand. He says there was not surrender. There was claiming the power of God. Praying to God. That God will show his power. God will intervene. And God will give Joshua the strength. And the cultural battle will be won. Through the help of the heavenly power. And we read that when Moses had his hands up, Joshua and his army prevailed. When his hands grew tired and he lowered his hands, the enemy prevailed. Now that's strange. Just imagine having the report from the war and say, well, there's some turn and twist in the, in the, the front line. Uh, when Israelites are making uh, inroads into the enemy territory, when they are pushing back, What's going on? And then they will zoom the old man on the hill. Said, man, there is something strange. When that old man is with his hands up, his army is prevailing. When his hands are lowering down, his army is losing. What's going on here? And Moses will tell, I tell you the secret. My hands up means God's hands come down. 
when I'm lifting up my hands, his power is coming down. And there on the mountain, there was the power for the valley. Now, we never should separate them. Never go in the valley without spending time on the mountain. But do not just spend time on the mountain and never go into the valley. Because some people will be so committed just to pray, 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 and never will open their mouth to tell somebody else about Jesus. Keep them always together. And who wins the spiritual battle? Influences what's happening in the culture. Now let me tell you a story from the culture of Romania. We have experienced that firsthand. We were under communist oppression for 45 years. And beyond the Marxist, atheist ideology, beyond the persecution, we knew that there are spiritual realities. And the day came when we understood that in the 70s, under the ministry of our pastor at that time, a great man of God who used to spend eight hours a day on his knees in prayer. Eight hours a day. When he came out of his prayer room, we were trembling under his ministry in the pews. He was so influential. He was so powerful. And he taught us to pray and dare great things with God. He taught us to pray in the 70s and asked God to bring the day in Romania when the gospel will be proclaimed on radio and television and will be proclaimed on sports stadiums, soccer stadium, because in Romania we pray soccer. That's the real thing. <laughs> and the gospel will be proclaimed in public schools and in official buildings all over the country. Now asking that, that the gospel will be proclaimed even in the presidential palace and the parliament building. People thought that we are crazy or eccentrics. But we continue to pray. As we pray, the revival started. And under the ministry of that man, in one summer, 650 new converts were baptized. And the revival continued to spread. People came to Christ. High school kids, university students, the Communist Party leaders, uh, secret police officers, workers, people from across the country came to know Christ. The revival spilled over the, the borders of Romania. And the Communists put more pressure on us and more persecution. And we pray more. December 89, 30th of December, 36 Baptist pastors met in hiding for a day of prayer and fasting. As the day came to an end, there was a strong impression of us that we should write a letter to the communist dictator Ceausescu and confront him and ask him to honor God and let God's people worship freely. Do not build, uh, demolish our churches. Do not put people in jail. Do not burn our Bibles. And we call upon him to humble himself before God's judgment will fall upon him. Now confronting a dictator in the communist lands is not a joke. It's like signing your death certificate. So we sign and we pray. We send the letter. And we didn't know what may, might follow. Two days later, the head of the, the Orthodox Church wrote another letter, and his letter was published in the main newspaper of the country, totally endorsing the communist dictator. So we thought that maybe they are preparing a public display, and they will execute us publicly. December 17, I got a phone call from a pastor in the city of Timisoara, 
Baptist pastor calling upon me to help him preaching a revival because he had an evangelist that was not allowed to enter Romania and he asked me to go and help. With my wife, we drove to Timisoara. We preached that Thursday night. At the end, at the door, two gentlemen from the nearby Hungarian Reformed Church came to ask us to help them because the communist police was about to arrest the pastor and deport the pastor. So they said, we decided to protect our pastor and spend the night around his house and pray over his house the whole night. Please join us because we are just a handful of us. So the Romanian Baptists joined the Hungarian reform, about 200 people, and they spent the night praying. Next night, the same request, join us, but Friday night, the crowd grew to about 2,000. And they spent the night protecting the pastor in prayer. Saturday night, the crowd grew to about 10,000. Because the people of the city heard that the Christians are standing for something and they wanted to join, they didn't want to miss. So those 10,000 people spending a little time in prayer and somebody came with this crazy thought. Said, man, it's not right to stay and pray here over the house of a pastor. Let's go downtown and pray over the headquarter of the Communist Party. Now you know crowd psychology. Yeah, let's go. So they began to march down. At that time, the dictator sent his army, his military. And they confronted the, the crowd. They opened fire and shot people dead there on the street. When that happened, something went through the crowd and they began to shout, there is God. God turned his face to Romania. Down with the dictator. And they moved forward. More people were shot dead. Some of the men took their jackets and with open chest, they went toward the armored vehicle shouting, there is God. Midnight, the army officers sided with the protesters. And the army officers stepped on the top of the armored vehicle shouting, there is God. God turned his face to Romania. And things began to change in the whole country. A few days later, Ceausescu called for a huge rally, the dictator, a rally in Bucharest. You still, still can go on the internet and see that. And they tried to speak to the crowd, call the country around him and against those in Timisoara. As he spoke, somebody in that crowd shouted, there is God. Down with the dictator. That one shout electrified the crowd. And the crowd shouted, down with the dictator, there is God. The dictator panicked. Walk on top of the building, got his helicopter, and he tried to escape. He was arrested by his own army. And on Christmas Day, December 1989, the dictator was shot dead by his own army. And the head, headline news of Romania went like this. Christmas Day, Christ is born, Antichrist is dead. There is God. Friends, there is power on the hill. And there is victory in the valley. So when we saw that God is hearing prayer and we have been praying that the door will be open. Now we said the door is open. And whatever we pray for, from 73 to the present day, God has just given to us, deliver us. There is message on the television, the radio. Let me tell you just one on the soccer stadium. We prepared the first crusade on the soccer stadium in the history of Romania, May of 1990. Everything was ready, targeted eight cities, and we were about to start the crusade the first night. 
And early that morning, it began to rain heavily. So we came together, we pray, ask God to stop the rain, clear the sky. So people could come because there was an open stadium, not a covered stadium. Five o'clock p.m., one hour before the crusade. Do you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it continued to rain. So disappointed with the evangelist, we took a taxi cab, went by the stadium just in case someone will show up. Tell them, sorry, tonight it's underwater, everything, we cannot have the crusade, but please do come tomorrow night. When we got there, we couldn't believe our eyes. Over 60,000 people standing in the rain, waiting to hear the gospel. Taken by surprise, the two of us jumped on the platform. We shouted the gospel to 60,000 people. And when the gospel was presented, the evangelist said, now if you understood... That you are a sinner, Christ died for your sin. You repent of your sin. You ask his forgiveness based on his sacrifice on the cross. Come forward and we'll be praying with you. And the whole stadium coming, was coming forward. They began to move. The evangelist was a little confused, didn't know what I said. So he said, hold on, hold on, hold on. He went all over again. Preach the gospel as clear as possible. Explain salvation in Christ alone, by faith alone. He said, now... If you understood and you are ready to give your life to Christ, come forward. And that huge crowd began to move forward, crying. Crying out to God for mercies, for forgiveness. I look at the evangelist trembling and said, isn't our God awesome? These people are saved and baptized in the same second? <laughs> now you know, I'm a Baptist pastor, I want to see them wet. So they were all wet. But the door was open. And now... We celebrate the fact that we can proclaim the gospel throughout the whole country. Hallelujah. But when we saw the great need, we started that school and trained pastors and trained leaders for those churches. And as we started that, we saw the great need and we were asked, not a seminary, but a university. Not just pastors, but teachers for the public schools of Romania. They will be missionaries of public school. So we started a seminary and university and we have the graduates in 41 countries of the world. That's our valley. We are fighting there. But you know, there is a mountain on that mountain. Christ alone, he won the greatest victory. He won the, the, the enemy of sin and Satan and death. And he purchased the salvation for you and me. And today your life could be changed and transformed. Your life could be different. And you can live for his glory. And you can change the culture. Now you may ask, why have you come to tell us what we already know? For two reasons. I came to thank you for what you have done. And ask you to continue to pray for us. We need you with your hands up on the mountain. Because our valley is not an easy valley. Our valley is a valley with so many enemies. Europe is increasingly pagan. We are moving into the Middle East and Africa and Asia. In that valley there are so many battles. And we need people with hands up on the mountain. Would you commit yourself to pray? Second request. Would you consider... To allow your pastor to come as Brother Bill came in the past for one week to invest in the life of our students, to teach and preach and pour his life and God-given gifts into the life of those students. And you will hear over the years that God is winning victories in so many parts of the world. I tell you how that works. If Brother Josh 
hop on the, the plane on Friday here. He gets there on Saturday, have a good night rest on Saturday, preaches on Sunday, teach Monday to Thursday, back to the airport on Friday, get here Friday night, get the good night rest on Saturday, Sunday morning he's on the platform. <laughs> All of you in favor, please look at me. Thank you very much. To God be the glory. Amen. Back to you, Pastor. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.